Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to today's show. Today we have Chloe Osreich joining us. Chloe is a coach, facilitator and speaker. She works with leading organisations and coaches CEOs and senior execs across the globe to help individuals present with conviction and become aware of the habitual patterns that undermine their authority during business interactions. So growing up bilingual in Switzerland, Germany and England, Chloe grew to understand the true importance of presence to both personal and business success. As a trained actor and journalist, her area of expertise lies in dissecting what array of information our bodies project when presenting. By making her clients aware of their individual habits which may hold them back from presenting with confidence. Certainly an area all leaders aspire to improve in, so I hope you enjoy and even get some great insights from today's conversation with Chloe Osrak. Chloe, welcome to The Mentor List. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, so welcome to The Mentor List. So we're, we're here on Collins Street. So it's another hot day here. Uh, so we're right on Collins Street. So you hear the trams running past and there's one right now, right on cue. So yeah, welcome to the show today. And just for those that aren't familiar with Chloe, can you tell us a little bit about your story? I'm an executive coach and what I do is I focus on a very specific area. So I look at what habitual patterns might undermine your authority during client interactions and how do we determine whether we believe someone is confident, competent and trustworthy. But before I dive into this topic, which I'm really passionate about, as you can tell, I thought I might clear up some of the mystery that always comes up whenever people meet me. And the first question they ask is, where is your accent from? (laughs) So I thought I might start at the beginning. So I was born in Switzerland, in the French-speaking part of Switzerland, in Lausanne, to a French-Swiss father and a German mother. And we then moved to Frankfurt, to Germany. And that is where I spent the majority of my childhood. I then went to boarding school in London and I then moved back to Berlin to go to university. And then eight years ago, I moved to Melbourne. And that is why I did both my degrees and I started my consultancy. And so throughout my career as an actor and as a journalist, I have always been fascinated by human connection. So how is it that some people walk into a room and have an impact and leave long-lasting impressions? And how is it that we can't even remember other people's names? And so I think where this all started is me growing up in Germany with three brothers who are all extremely intelligent and very talented, but they would be classified as introverts and left-brained. And so a lot of the conversations around the dinner table would always be around chemistry, maths, physics, engineering, mechanical engineering. And what I came to realize is that while all my brothers are extremely intelligent, they really struggled to clearly articulate an idea or to communicate effectively. And so I thought, okay, at some point they will have to go out into the big wide world and they will have to present themselves in a professional manner, not undermine themselves and most likely seek investment and ask for money. And so I started my consultancy because I saw an opportunity to coach executives and help individuals to leave an impact whenever they walk into a room and meet new people. So which of the many countries are we in now? 
when you've started this? Is this in Melbourne or is this? Well, the inspiration, I think, because I've always been fascinated by human connection, that's always come from a really young age. And I've always loved the idea of connecting with people and telling stories. But I did start my consultancy in Melbourne after I finished my degrees, both in acting and in journalism. Wow. And so I looked at both of those degrees and went, hang on a second, what can I bring to the table? And I look at content and delivery in a unique way. And so how might that assist me in the corporate sector? Fantastic. Okay, so you've brought the two of them together. So how, do, how does that work in sort of, you know, what you're working in today? And, you know, that is quite unique, I guess. I mean, I haven't met an actor and a journalist all in one that's working in corporate helping <laughs> execs, you know, with, with what it is that you do. So maybe you can talk through that a bit more. Yes. So what most people probably aren't aware of is that when we meet someone for the first time, we make sweeping judgments within the first three seconds. And that's purely based on the way someone looks, dresses, shakes your hand and carries themselves. So regardless of your expertise or your multiple degrees or the design or the pitch or the project that you have for your client, that person actually judges you and decides in an instant whether they believe you're competent and trustworthy. Was I, how did I go? I know we've met before, but on our first meeting, was I um, competent? I know I was five minutes late. You were wonderfully genuine and authentic. Uh, okay. We can edit out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is like our first. Yeah. But we are, like I do that as well. And I've got these biases, um, which maybe you can flush out and talk about a bit further. But yeah, it's sort of pretty instant where you sum up somebody in maybe an unfair way or a fair way. but. Maybe we can talk about, yeah, maybe you want to elaborate a bit further on that. Yes, I'd love to. So there are a number of key elements that we take into account subconsciously when we meet someone. And so what I've done is the people whose names I remembered, because I am awful at remembering people's names, the people whose names I remembered and the people who stuck in my mind throughout my entire career, I realized that they all had one thing in common. And to me, they were present. But they weren't just present, they were physically, vocally, and mentally present. So what I've done is I've dissected presence into three main parts. And so the key elements that we look at and that we take into account are things such as body language, gesture, articulation, words, pitch, pace, tonality, breathing, clarity of thought. Is somebody actually listening? Are they receptive? Are they mindful? Do they have an intention? And that all forms part of our decision-making. And that all forms part of whether we believe someone is confident or competent. Now, those are things not many people think about. And I think that's, well, yes, that is where I come into play because a lot of people prepare their content or their pitch or their message. They walk into a client meeting. They have a very clear understanding of what they're going to say, but they don't spend much time on the delivery aspect. How am I going to say it? What is the first sentence that I'm going to start off with? Where am I going to position myself in the room? What is my posture doing? Am I falling into a low status pose? Am I falling into a high status pose? Am I actually connecting with the person that is in front of me? So that's my job. So low status pose, what is, 
Talk us through the difference, low and high status pose. Yes, I'm fully aware that people can't see me right now and I would <laughs> love to demonstrate. However, I will do my very best to describe. So a low status pose would be when you stand up in front of people and you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, you will stand up and you will cross your legs. And you will see a lot of people do this on a Friday night at the pub. And women tend to do this more often than men. If you couple that with also then crossing your arms or having your hands behind your body, then that isn't being read as competent or trustworthy. Wow. And so I guess on the opposite side of that, because actually I always sort of think, okay, there's a photo being taken where I'm going to put my hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? So, and then if they're by your side, I can't, they kind of look a bit funny so what like is the good old hands question it's you know what that is possibly one of the most asked questions that i get what do i do with my hands and the answer is there is no right answer if you think it would be wrong to tell an Italian person to stop using their hands when they speak, I certainly am someone who uses their body language or you use their hands all the time. What I always say is if your content is connected to your body, then I don't have a problem with that. Actually, a really great way of finding that out or of seeing the difference where it works and doesn't work is if you go to an amateur theater, you got actors who have been given a script right? So they haven't, that's not their own text. So sometimes you will see them fumbling with their hands out of order and it doesn't connect to the content they're saying. And that's a really great example of the content isn't connected to your body. Mm -hmm. My answer is, as long as it doesn't become distracting, I like people using their hands. Photos is a complete different story. And I would say that the majority of women, including myself, always have a nice head tilt. And that again, what is that? Exactly. Why do we do that? So we may tilt our head or we may cross our legs. And I want to clarify, we may cross our legs when standing up because there's nothing wrong with crossing your legs when you're sitting down. But yes, that would be classified as a low status pose. Got it. And I guess, so this is having an impact, I guess, on your physiology, which is in turn, I guess there's a bit of thought behind how that impacts your delivery is that sort of where you're going with the low and high status poses is that sort of does is that sort of the issues that it leads you into well i guess what i look at is there are many people out there in this world that are incredibly intelligent and who are very technical when it comes to their delivery of content and what saddens me is when they don't make an impact what saddens me even more is that people already judge whether they're going to buy a product or a service of them before they've even spoken. And so that's where I go, are you consciously aware that you might be undermining yourself during client interactions? Now, the majority of people would say, no, I don't think I undermine myself. But once we go into the dissection of those three segments and we look at, hey, are you consciously aware of your body language, your gestures, your clarity of thought, your upward inflection? Australians are masters at upward inflection. What is an upward inflection? You go up at the end of a sentence. Uh, okay. So if you couple that with a high-pitched voice and you respond to statements and you go, hi, my name is Chloe. Is that a question? Yeah. Exactly. It's a question. It's not a statement. Right. So you are undermining yourself because you're asking people for permission rather than stating a statement. That is an integral part of the Australian culture. And yes, 
it is very difficult to get rid of. However, the more senior executives and CEOs that I work with, they have made a conscious effort to get rid of it. And you won't find it in these positions. And so what's what's the sort of typical process to, I guess, make get rid of an upwards inflection? Is it sort of consciously doing it? Like how do you sort of, how do you do it? I just did it then. Yeah, (laughs) it's difficult because we're dealing with habitual patterns, right? We're dealing with habits and habits are difficult to change. Why? Because we've been carrying them around for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. So there is a learning curve. And the first step to changing habits is to actually be consciously aware of them. So a lot of people are not consciously aware of what they're doing. So first of all, it's about, oh, I am not aware that I am doing what I am doing. The second step is then, how do I change these habits? What tools do I need to use to be consciously aware of them? And yes, it could be as simple as what I always, what I think is a great tip is you visually imagine a full stop at the end of a sentence. And what do you naturally do when there is a full stop? You go down. Mm. I'm just trying to do it in my head, which is not good for a podcast, but okay. Wow. Okay. Great little tip. (laughs) I like it. Okay. So you're, so I'm very envious because you're living the endless summer. You're you're like, you've got this life. So you're, you're Melbourne based and you're based in London. Is that right? So how, so maybe talk us through just so I can share with the listeners what, you know, life could be like if this was your career path. Yes. So, When I started this consultancy, I set down my personal values and my visions, and they change and grow from year to year. Now, when I sat down with my mentor, and I do have many wonderful people in my life who enrich my career and also my personal life, he asked me what I wanted most. And due to my European background and my entire family living in Germany and in Europe or scattered around Europe, due to me having gone to school in London, all my friends are still in London, I said, I would love to divide my time between Melbourne and London. Also, I hate winter with a passion. Hmm. So, and I think Melbourne is possibly one of the worst cities during winter. (laughs) So, because it's not, it's not snowing, it's not freezing cold, it's It's an in-between, really, and the whole city shuts down and you can't really do anything unless we actually get snow and then you get to ski, which costs you an absolute fortune. So I said, I really would love to divide my time between Melbourne and London. How do I go about this? And so I was have been very fortunate in traveling back and forth, and I guess I'm now at the stage where in the last 12 or 14 months, I've been able to build a network in London, build a client network, and I now schedule my work for June, July, August, whenever I'm in Europe, and I miss out on Melbourne Melbourne misery. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Yeah, you've ma- you've managed to do it because I yeah, I was just thinking back to you know, some time I spent there. It's just such a such a nice idea and I just it's just interesting. Well, it's just great to hear that someone's actually doing it. So, yeah, well done. Okay, so you mentioned before about habits. Difficult habits are difficult to change. Are there any habits that you think have sort of helped you or I guess any habits that you've sort of come across in your working that sort of keep coming up? Maybe we can talk about something that you'd recommend and then maybe some some that you see all the time and that sort of stuff. Well, I'm a lover of structure. Surprise, surprise. As a German, I am a lover of structure. And uh, what I do love is 
as much as I love traveling and as much as I love spontaneity and adventures, I do really like having set days where I exercise or go for a run or do a meditation. And so one of the things that I do is I get up every morning and I do a meditation for 20 minutes. And that's a guided meditation. And I do that every morning as well as a vocal warm-up. And that's regardless of whether I meet clients or whether I do a recording at a podcast or whether I run a group session. And the reason why I do that is because it gets me ready in the zone. And that's really important to me. And I think it's important for everyone to understand what works and what doesn't work. I think whenever I give keynotes and I get up in front of large audiences, my way of calming down and managing my nerves and getting ready is to do a meditation. But I totally appreciate that other people might just want to go for a run around the block. So it's important to find your individual rehearsal plan or your individual checklist or whatever helps you in in being successful and, and not being exhausted by Friday evening. So is that like a, um, a mind space meditation or is this like... I use Calm, and I should probably flag that I'm not getting paid for mentioning their name. I love that meditation because you can change the background sound and you can do a body scan for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And for me, it really helps me in getting ready for the day. And it has had a significant impact on how I deal with stress, how I deal with difficult situations. Mm, yeah, great. What a great start today. And then the vocal warm-up. So your na- how do your neighbors feel about the vocal warm-up? So is this <laughs> early in the morning or is... Yes, it's fairly early in the morning. And at the beginning, certainly throughout my career as an actor, that was always part and parcel. And a lot of my friends always paid me out about my vocal warm-ups. When I lived in a shared house, they would get really, really annoyed. But it's just part of a routine. I think I, I look at athletes and they don't even think about going to the gym or they don't even think about going for a run anymore. They just do it. And it's the same with me. I just do it. So a vocal warm-up could be between 10 and 15 minutes or it could be 30 and 40 minutes. And really what I do is I start off with breathing exercises to use my diaphragmatic breathing and then I start off with consonants and vowel sounds and also the reason why I do that is because I still have a little bit of an accent and so I make sure that I don't stumble or mumble on certain words. Yeah, fantastic. Great, yeah, so thanks for sharing. So is there a book that you'd recommend people sort of pick up and read? Yes. Or books? Yes, there are two. So one of them is called The Trusted Advisor, and it's a really fantastic book. I highly recommend it for any consultants or for any advisors or lawyers or or any professional service people. It's written by three people, but I only remember one of them, and his name is David Meister, and it will come up on Google. And it's a really fantastic book which takes you from somebody who's getting paid for their services to somebody who's getting paid for their expertise, but also their advice. So I highly recommend that. The second book is not related to my professional work. It's by Elaine de Botton and it's called The Course of Love. And the reason why I love it is because it talks about today's society and the way we live our lives. And it's got some really amazing quotes in there. It's got some thought-provoking questions, statements, and yes, it is about the course of love. So two of two of my favorites. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, so just sort of, you know, as we're sort of winding down, we're, we're wrapping up. Um, 
you know, I, I guess through your work, you have the privilege of working with, you know, a lot of execs, both in Melbourne and, and across Europe. Is there any insights that you can sort of think to share or um, anything that sort of screams out that this comes up a lot or, yeah, it's... Just before we uh, we sort of sign off, I know I put you on the spot. No, no, not at all. I, I think, so the majority of people that I work with are really good at their job, very good at their job. They wouldn't be a CEO of a company or they wouldn't be a senior executive of a company if they weren't. So the majority of people that I work with are excellent at speaking in public right. and communicating effectively. However, they don't have the opportunity to learn and grow as much as other staff members do. And that's because no one gives them feedback. Mm. So what they want is they want someone to give them constructive criticism and feedback so they can improve. And I think, I, I mean, I am a firm believer that we can always improve, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been doing this job. So what I do is I hold up the mirror and I make them aware of these habits that have crept in over the past few years and how that might potentially undermine them. Sometimes I might shadow people throughout the day and I will look at how do they communicate with their staff and their clients and could that be done in a more effective way. There's an enormous difference between the way Germans communicate and the way Australians communicate and I had to learn that when I first moved to Melbourne. Germans are very direct in the way they communicate. And we may come across as rude or brash. And on the other hand, I think Australians like to beat around the bush every now That's and then. True. And so I think we're wasting a lot of time when really we're all on the same page, but there is a real lack of claiming authority and being in charge of a situation and being in control of the room. And I think that's really important. And sometimes we forget that because we're too afraid of stepping on other people's toes and taking charge. So that's one part. The other part is that with my job, whenever I say I work with people or I work with individuals and help them identify what might undermine them, a lot of people say, oh, that's not applicable to me. Or I don't undermine myself during situations. And the bottom line is we unintentionally all do this by the way we speak and communicate and hold ourselves. So it's relevant to everyone. And I think, I mean, I certainly would love to have someone who does exactly what I do to me and tell me, hey, Chloe, you know, this would have perhaps been a better way of communicating yep. certain key aspects or perhaps you could have improved on X, Y, and Z or you weren't aware of your posture when you stood up in front of 200 people or you weren't aware of diaphragmatic breathing and you ran out of breath at the end of the sentence. Yep. It's so technical and it's, yes, very, very specific. But again, those are the things that we take into account subconsciously and they are the reason why we believe someone is confident and competent and trustworthy. And then I go a step further. They are essentially the reason why we decide to buy a product or a service of someone. Because if we don't trust someone, well, we don't engage in any service with someone. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And sorry, I know I put you on the spot there, but yeah, really sort of insightful stuff. And I, it's come up a few times actually with a couple of the other CEOs we've interviewed where they some of the hardest things for them is actually people tell them what they want to hear and so it's hard for them to sometimes, you know, scratch above or beneath that surface to find out what's really going on. So it's interesting sort of your comments there as well um, resonating with that. And also I think it's worth noting that I put people in an extremely vulnerable situation and I appreciate that. And so it's my job to really create 
a safe space and an environment where people can learn and grow because none of us like to do mistakes and we all want to be perfect and we all don't want to fall down and be perceived as failure. But the first step to changing a habit or to learning and growing is to, yes, fail. And so that's one of the jobs that I have to do to create that environment so people can go, okay, I trust Chloe and I, while it may be difficult to change that habit at the start, it's going to help me in the long run. Yeah, fantastic. Thank, thanks for sharing. And okay, so yeah, Chloe, just wanted to say thanks for coming in today. So people are listening in and they're resonating with what you're saying and they want to find out a bit more about you or come and have a chat with you. How would they go about contacting you? So you can just hop on my website which is www.chloeostrike.com. And it's got all my details on there. It's got my phone number as well as my email. I'm also on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect and shoot me a message. And I'm always keen to talk to people, learn about what they're doing and how I can assist them or simply connecting with like-minded people. Yeah, fantastic. And I'll uh, be sure to link to that on thementalist.com. But yeah, thank you so much for giving your time today on a hot day. I know you've come in onto Colin Street and it is a hot day. So yeah, really appreciate it. And um, for everyone, tune in again next week for another great show. Thank you. Thanks, Chloe. The Mentalist specializes in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentalist.